0: Well, good morning, and I'm gonna invite you to grab your Bible and turn to Romans chapter eight because we're in a series that's entitled More Than You Realize. One thing I love about Romans eight is that um, this whole idea of what salvation is in Jesus Christ is discussed in Romans eight, and in in this particular chapter, it pulls together some of the most magnificent concepts that are all part of the same thing. So we're we're gonna be looking at... um, One more of those concepts. I remember one of the saddest prayer requests I've ever heard, I still remember today where I was, where I was sitting, I was in a group of pastors, and one of the junior high pastors in our group spoke up and said, I have a prayer request. There's this boy in my junior high class who yesterday in church raised his hand and he said to the rest of the class, would you please pray that I could get adopted Because the social worker told me that I'm getting so old now that the chances of me ever having a family are getting so small. And if no one ever adopts me, then I'll just never have a family for the rest of my life. Can you think about that? How sad would it be to never have a place to go home during the holidays? I mean, what about when you go through your most exciting moments and achieve some kind of great award, but there's nobody to call? Or when you're going through the saddest, most difficult times of your life, there's no one that you can call that would care? You know, one of the great things about the gospel, this is the third thing we're going to be looking at, the great thing here that we're going to study is that Do you know what God wants? He wants all of you in his family. He wants to be the one you call and celebrate with. He wants to be the one you call when you're in a big problem and you don't know if you're going to make it. He wants to treat you as a child So when you look through Romans chapter 8, you you get these incredible truths. First of all is, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, at that very moment, from that moment on, there, there is no condemnation. You don't ever again have to worry about standing in front of God in the grand judgment day and wondering if you will survive that moment because according to Romans 8.1, the moment you accept Christ, if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation for you. It's never going to happen. One of my favorite statements that describes this is that, you know, here's the deal God makes with you. He says, you, give me all your sin and I will give you all of the righteousness of Christ. If you're in Christ, the theological term is you're justified from the moment that you accept Christ. No condemnation. The second thing that we see in Romans chapter 8 is that um, in Jesus, the power of sin to control you is broken, it's broken. And you begin a transformation process that's described in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You now can overcome the most difficult struggles you have with sin in your life. You know, I think that that's one of the most underused powers for those of us who are in Christ. We forget Though sin may have controlled us at one time, now you can fight back. You are free. With the presence of the Holy Spirit, you have a power you never knew before. Now, I know this is not a politically correct illustration, and it's hard to illustrate something as lofty as the theologies in Scripture, but um, have you ever heard of an invisible fence to keep a dog in? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you have one because this is kind of a, I, I, I went to the website because the idea is you bury a cable, it's hooked up to a current, you put a collar on the dog. This is not funny. If you're a dog lover, I'm not laughing. And there are flags that are stuck around the perimeter where the, where the wire is so that the, the dog can learn that the moment he gets a little close to the flag, a sound goes off. That's kind of curious, the dog thinks, because dogs know. And then if he gets a little closer, he gets a little consequence. That's how they kind of put it in the... They shock that dog, is what they're doing. (laughs) There's just no way around it. And then they say, after a while, the dog can see where the flags are. And what you do is you take half the flags away, and then in a few weeks more... You take them all the way, but at this point, this dog knows I don't step on that spot. It'll get me. And so the dog is in this invisible fence. Now, you know what happens for us when we come to Christ? The shockability of that power is gone. You no longer have to stay confined to your old ways. You can be a new person, your life can be transformed. I love this story. A couple Bible college students were going door to door to share with people. So these guys rang the doorbell of this one particular house and a very tired, frazzled mother came to the door. A baby on her hip and a little child hanging onto her skirt. Behind her were the three older children screaming and fighting The kitchen was in disarray and the house was a mess. And these these boys, they said, "Um, we've got a question for you. And she said, what? Um, Would you like to live forever? And her response was, I don't think I could stand it. Every day, because of the great salvation of Jesus Christ, it is possible for us to become the person We want to become. We know we need to become. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that thing that kept you bound, test it. Go to the Lord. Say to Him, I don't want to be controlled by this anymore, so by faith I will step out and act in obedience and not be bound by sin. So it's, justification. The second thing is sanctification, which is the transformation that comes to us. And and, and then the third thing uh, is, is a beautiful thing, and I've already talked about it. It's adoption. So what would you say is the final um, end of God? What does God want you to do? I mean, do you think that God's primary goal is for you to... Um, you know, sin less and serve more and pray harder and get out of hell and go to heaven. And what, what is God's, what is he trying to do here? Well, you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to have a personal relationship with you that is characterized by love. Now, the term catechism is a term that is used as a sort of a teaching tool to help people understand some of the beautiful truths of Scripture and the Westminster Shorter Catechism is one of the most famous of all and it's a series of questions with short answers to help you remember some important things. So for instance, the very first one is, what is the chief end of man? And you may have heard of this one before. What is the chief end of man? I mean, what's God all about? What's he trying to accomplish in our lives? And here's the answer. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Did you hear that? Enjoy him forever. I mean, this is supposed to be the most enjoyable satisfying completing relationship you will ever have is to know God in a personal way and you will enjoy him for all of eternity I mean this is incredible in Romans 8 12 to 17 talks about this adoption into the family of God therefore brethren we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. There's a power there to help you, the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you do not receive the Spirit, you did not receive the Spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the Spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is like Daddy. It's that intimate, it is that the, the, the name a child uses to address the father, Abba, Father. This was a revolutionary idea because no one ever addressed God so intimately, so, so familiar, with such familiarity. But this is what it says. Uh, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and have children, then heirs. <laughs> Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. I'm gonna to take just a few things out of that, that particular section. First of all, just as a parenthesis, why does it say the sons of God? And we live in a generation where everybody's very, you know, a little bit um, uh, sensitive. Well, what about the girls? With just the sons? No, that's not what it means. In the day in which the apostle Paul was writing, uh, children... There are sons and daughters. The sons are the only ones in that day who could inherit. Now, that doesn't seem very fair, does it? There's no feminists in the room? What, what's what's the, what in the world? I've got three daughters. I, I'm all, I'm, I think these girls are so important. <laughs> all right. <laughs> got one of them. But if you'll notice the progression of this, you, all of you, even the women are going to be sons of God. What does that mean? Okay, this means that God has a relationship with all sons and daughters at the same level. And the New Testament pushes forward the status of women incredibly. And you're gonna notice that it progresses, even in this particular passage, to sons of God, to the children of God, so we're making it all clear. All the children, even the daughters, have the same rights as the sons of, you will inherit, just like the other, the the men in the room, okay? So this is a great thing, God, God is all about that. It is a bold declaration here, that God loves his children. He has great affection toward his children, and they have a sense of belonging and security because they are the children of God. Now, how do you feel about God today? Do you feel secure in that relationship? Do you have any kind of affection toward God? Uh, Or is this just, I'm trying to keep the rules and do the things so that I can please God? Well, this is addressed in this particular passage. You know, I love my kids. I am shocked that I love my kids. No, I'm not shocked that I love my kids. (laughs) I, I am shocked how much I can love my kids. I mean, I had the first baby and thought, man, I, don't, man, I love this little girl so much. What am I going to do when the second one's born? I, I hope I can love hers. And then Holly was born, and it's like a whole new chapter opened up on my heart. And then, then, then it was Robert, and then there's was, there was Coco, and then James was born. And what I've discovered is I love my children all the same. I have the same level of affection for each one of my children. This week, James and I, which by the way, James and I have been batching it all week because Cindy went to California to watch our grandbaby, and so the daycare was shut down for a week of cleaning, and they called and asked, uh, before we call somebody else, any chance you want to come out here and watch the baby? Well, it took about a half a second, and she said yes. And. So James and I have been batching it. I tell you what, uh, I'm I'm doing okay. My girls have come over and cooked a few nights. And um, I can bake chicken and poach eggs, so we're good to go. You know what I'm saying? Um, But this week, because I was the the guardian, present parent, uh, a call came in that uh, they were wanting to know if James would go downtown. And James was born with a syndrome. I don't know if you noticed that. But James is a very special guy. He's the joy of our family. I'm not joking. So we got this call, and this was the the request. The Attorney General of Missouri, uh, his name is Eric Smith, um, is going to have to defend a law that has been passed in the state of Missouri that makes it illegal to terminate a pregnancy just because of a diagnosis. And he wanted to create these videos to sort of bring a face to the issue. Let's pull this out of the books and let's make it about real people. And so there, you know, there was a line of people that were called to tape a little bit of an interview and I don't even know what they're gonna do with it but they wanted to showcase um, how these people are incredible. You know what I'm saying? And nobody knows that until you've been in that world but once you get in that world, And so we sat down under the lights, strange people in a strange location, and they were asking us both some questions. And so one of the questions they asked was, well, tell me about, uh, I want James to say, they said, I want James to say at the end of this interview, my name is James, my life matters, and I want you to say, um, my, my son's life matters. That's what we want to conclude with, but let's talk a little bit about it, and then they begin to ask some probing questions, which is a little scary for me, because when they begin to ask questions like this, it touches me in the depths of my soul in a level that I'm about to cry almost all the time, and I'm like, I don't need to be doing that, and so I'm working real hard, um, and then they, they ask me, so tell me, what, is your, what are your thoughts about about your son, James. I says, well, I have five children. He's the youngest of five. And he's the joy of our family. And we love him so much. And I said, you know what? When it comes to the discussion that we're having here about people born with different characteristics, um, I just want to say this. As I love my children and interact with them, I don't rank them according to IQ or abilities. Because I love them all the same. Why? Because they're mine. I just love them. Thank you. And what I want you to hear today is this. God knows you. He knows everything about you and he loves you because you have been chosen as a son or a daughter of God, and he will always love you, and he will always be there for you. Why? Because you are his child. That's what this whole passage is about. It says in verse 15, I think this is so interesting, you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. What does that mean, the spirit of bondage again to, to fear? You know what this means is that so many times people, they, they have this you know, this relationship with God that kinda goes like this, well I know that I need, I know God loves me, okay, and I need to behave, and God loves me more if I live right and do right, and I need to fulfill my duty, because you know, that's, that's how I relate to God. And the problem with that is that you are relating to God from the spirit of bondage, or some versions say slavery. And that is, it's kind of, uh, you know, you, you fulfill your obligations and he'll love you. But that's not at all the way God works. An employee, you know, fulfills the obligations that are his at work, and the employer is happy with them, and he pays them. And it's a great relationship as long as the employee fulfills his obligations. If you're an employee and you stop fulfilling the employer's expectations, you know what? You very well may be reprimanded, scolded, and maybe even lose your job. In this passage, Paul says, that is not the spirit in which you should relate to God. The the religious focus says you need to You need to serve God more, sin less, do more good things, and if you do that, then this relationship will work. The only problem is a spirit of bondage is not an environment in which genuine love can grow. I, you know, I reached out to one of my favorite theologians. His name is Ben Rector. Does anybody know who Ben Rector is? Because... Oh, there are some people that do. last service, not one person knew who Ben Rector was. I'm not saying he's a, he's a, a great theologian, or, but I just think he's a great, I, I love to hear him sing. He's got some really good songs, and uh, my son always reminds me of some of the new songs that have come out. One of the new songs that has become sort of the song that Robert has danced Eleanor to is something very, you might have thought, he's pastor's son, he's a pastor himself, and so he would choose a really cool Christian song. Nope, he chose Ben Rector, it's called Range Rover. If you've, have you ever listened to Range Rover? Range Rover is exactly what Paul is talking about here, the spirit of bondage. You know what it's about? It's about Ben Rector singing about a girlfriend, and after a while he realizes that she's with him because he feels like the ticket to a Range Rover. A fancy car and a fancy house, and the song says, and then I realized, I I don't want that kind of a relationship. I'm looking for a girl who's fine. (laughs) Okay, some of you know it. (laughs) With an old Civic that has a blown speaker, and the AC doesn't work, that's what I'm looking for. You know, if you're here today, and you're in a relationship, or you're, you're... you're, you're dating someone's little dating advice today unsolicited suggestion <laughs> that uh and you feel like well you know be in this relationship it's really hard because i feel like i have to always do something to please her that should bring a red alert to you you don't want it range rover go get the song. But this is exactly what Paul's talking about. God loves you without demands. He'll always be there for you. And I don't want you to think that this relationship is, is going to be something that's a, a, a spirit of slavery or bondage. Because God's love for you is unconditional and actually it's eternal. The spirit of slavery kills love and never provides an opportunity for love to grow. I think there's a lot of times people grow in their Christian walk and it and they don't really love God. I mean, they say they love God, but they don't really have this deep affection toward God because they have made the relationship all about pleasing God and doing the right things. And, and God says, no. Can you turn to the person beside you today and say, God loves you, period. Come on, tell them. That's good theology right there. Thank you, that's enough. Uh, Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. This is one of the primary agendas of the Holy Spirit is to let you grow in your relationship with God to the point that there is genuine, true, and growing affection between you and the Father. I came across the story of a man who adopted a little boy. It's a lot of money, a lot of lawyers, a lot of home studies, a lot of effort, but finally the adoption was finished and they brought a little boy home and now they were in that process of developing a relationship with him. And you know that's a beautiful time because the parents are very careful to provide everything the little boy needs, to even shower him with gifts as a token of their love and affection for him. And this man said that you know we were doing everything and he, he was getting along just pretty fine. But I, I longed in my heart of hearts for this little guy to really call me daddy. And he never would. And month went by after month after month And I I just longed for him one day to feel so secure and so accepted and so cared for that he would call me Daddy. And he said, and then one day it happened. This little guy came up to me and he raised his hands and he said, Daddy. And I tell you that the Holy Spirit of God is at work in you right now to help you understand and feel the deep affection of the Father for you. And God is hoping that the day will come when you will cry out in response, Abba, Father. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.5, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He doesn't just want you to be a religious devotee, He wants you to receive His unconditional love and listen to the Holy Spirit, and one day you could say, I have genuine affection. For the Father. Abba, Father. Lastly, three things. Okay, number one, what can you do to develop this? You should pray, Abba, Father. You should, in your prayers, tell God, I love you. Father, I love you. I mean, the greatest thing that God gives us is his presence and his love. When we come together to worship every Sunday, you can stand and watch, or you can stand and join in singing, or you could stand and worship. And in those songs, we had those songs today, from your heart, cry out, Abba, Father. John Owen is a Puritan preacher, an old guy. He's not alive anymore. Um, He said the greatest sorrow that you could lay on the Father is... Um, what, what, what would that be? Is it to, to sin more? No, you know what it is? For you to not recognize and accept the love of God. What more could God do to prove that he loves you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How incredible is that? And what did Jesus do? Jesus willingly came to this earth identified with us, lived a life like you and I live. He was an ordinary man in an ordinary family in an ordinary town. He endured all of the the difficulties and the struggles of life. Why why did he do that? He left heaven. Can, Can you imagine that? And then, one day in the garden, it was a moment between him and the father where the full understanding an experience of the cross that was about to happen. And the question was, Will you drink this cup, Jesus? You can run now. But he didn't. He agonized and he prayed, If it's possible, let this cup pass. And then as he continued to pray, his response was, But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so Jesus, in that agony, drank the cup of suffering and sorrow. He went to a cross. His back was beaten and shredded. He was taken and laid on a cross. His hands were stretched out. He was nailed. He hung there in agony and shame and humiliation and betrayal. And he says it is finished. And then he gave up the ghost. And three days later he rose from the grave. What more could Jesus say or do to prove to you that God is serious about loving you. And then Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to us and he gives us the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit is incredible. This is one of my daily prayers. Lord, I need more of the fruit of the Spirit. I need more of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. I need, Lord, would you let the fruit of the Spirit be a part of my life? I I, I beg the Holy Spirit, would you give me wisdom? Wisdom, that means help me to understand how to be in every conversation and every moment of my day today. Would you please give me wisdom? This relationship that we have with God, it is all because he loves us. And he says, I just want you to know I love you. I'm going to always love you. Secondly, in your suffering, don't turn away from God. Cry out to God. Jesus, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, this, he, he uses the very phrase, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will and he he cries out you, you will have suffering in your suffering cry out abba father lastly understand that you all you will inherit with Christ eternity now a lot of people get really excited about mansions and streets of gold i mean i mean that sounds pretty cool right can you imagine that yeah Streets of gold, mansions. But you know what I think is the most incredible thing that we're going to inherit? We're going to inherit the presence of God himself. We're going to be in his presence. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. In Revelation, it says that we will go and he will be our God and we will be his people and he will dwell with us and there will be no more pain or sorrow. There will be no more weeping. All the old things will have been passed away. This is what we're going to inherit. But the greatest of all, I think, is we will be in the presence of God forever. I love this quote. At the end of time, when sin is a distant and defeated memory and forgiveness is as obsolete as buggy whips, it will be sung. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. We will inherit all things. it's going to be good we're going to be okay we're going to be better than okay would you bow your heads